Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of HR Tech Chat, the video podcast. Uh, and with me today, we have uh, a guest who was with us before or previously for another episode. And in late 2022, it is Jamie Aiken of BetterWorks, where she is VP of HR Transformation. Welcome. Thanks, Brent. Great to be back and uh, chatting with you again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we had a really great conversation last time. Um, and we'll we'll put a link to that one in this one when it does go live. Um, but BetterWorks does, uh, you know, performance, uh, I hes- hesitate to say management, performance enablement, you know, this new progressive type of uh, modern approach to performance management, uh, which is called performance enablement. Um, and, and we're here today to kind of talk about, you know, why modern organizations need modern performance management and how to get there. Um, so maybe we could start off with uh, something pretty, you know, fundamental just to kind of uh, give our viewers their bearings. What is modern performance management? How does it differ from, you know, the old ways, the conventional traditional approaches? Okay, well, let's start with the traditional approach that's, you know, over 100 years old, invented by the U.S. military to manage performance. Um, And, you know, as as you know, I've been in HR for my entire career, 25 plus years, and that is has been the norm for many, many organizations for a very long time. And we started to see it shift a little while ago, but I think um, the pace of it of that shift to performance enablement is certainly speeding up. So uh, let's let's go back to traditional performance management, which is classically at twice a year, you know you have your uh, you know you you set your your goals, your career goals up at the front of the year with your manager. You might have a mid-year review where you're talking about, Uh, either just specifically your career goals uh, or a little bit of both. And then you have that year end plus new year uh, where you're talking about what you've done for the past year. So there's there's a bunch of problems with that as far as we see. Uh, First of all, um, the idea that if you establish a goal in January, that that is maybe going to be the only thing you're focusing on uh, throughout uh, the 12 months uh, is, I think, uh, you know, I think it could pretty much say certainly over the last two, three years, I don't know that any of us have been able to uh, <laughs> have that kind of stability that, you know, the world's changed fast, organizations need the agility to pivot. Uh, and also projects uh, themselves uh, can last one month, three months, five months, they don't last the whole, you know, year. So the idea that, you know, you have, you set it and forget it at the beginning of the year. And then at the end of the year, your manager uh, looks at you and says, okay, let's talk about that goal that may or may not be relevant to what you've been working on throughout the year, because we've had to adjust. Um, And and also uh, I'm going to try as best as I can as your manager to remember all of the strengths that you brought to the table, all of the obstacles you were over to overcome. Um, Probably not. They're probably, (laughs) you know, they're probably thinking, you know, maybe two, three months behind if that. So there's, it's laden with the recency bias. Mm. And so, and the notion of how, where HR plays in this in a traditional way, um, because, 
And I've been in this situation where entire HR teams spend the time at the end of the year, their, their goal is, did we complete the process? Did, mm. did, how, many, how many performance reviews were completed? How many development plans were completed? And that's the metrics that they were going with. Again, very compliance focused, you know, HR as a police um, and, and literally chasing. I worked with one organization where for, you know, the last two weeks before the process ended, they were literally going from office to office, collecting manual paper docs of, you know, so that they could then check off the box that yes, it's complete. So that's old school, right? Yeah. And by the way, the research has been telling us for years, it doesn't actually affect performance in any significant way. Uh, it just ends up making everybody agitated and demoralized, managers and employees alike, right? So that's the old way. And many- hey, Can I just interject for a second before we talk sure. about the new way? Because <laughs> I learned something today. I did not, uh, unless I forgot, and someone told me previously, I didn't know it was actually developed by the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we write about it in the book. Uh, uh, the CEO and I, um, Doug Denderline, and I just wrote a book about it. And we have a whole section on, you know, where this came from. So if you imagine the mindset of that, right? Yeah. Uh, as opposed to what we're, well, what we're talking about is, as it relates to performance, which is performance enablement. So not, uh, I'm going to micromanage you. I'm assuming that uh, it's a hierarchical, top-down kind of manage the human resources uh, in an organization. But rather, if we've been putting on posters for the billion years and annual reports that people are our most important assets, then why can't we make the jump to say, well, if they're our most important assets, let's spend the year having multiple conversations about <laughs> what they're working on, what they're trying to achieve. Is it still aligned? If, if, if so, fantastic. How can I, as your boss, help get rid of anything that's getting in the way of you achieving that? By the way, what, are, what is it that you as an individual want to accomplish in your own career, in your own development, and how can I help you get those resources? Mm -hmm. So it's a completely different mindset um, that comes into play, which is much more engaging for employees. And for managers, the manager experience now goes from Ugh, something I have to do to I'm actually giving support to have a high-performing team to each member of my team. Mm. Um, so massive difference. Yeah. And wh why is it important that we should be doing it? Well, I mean, if you think about it, better engaged employees, um, stronger, uh, capable, competent managers, uh, you know, being able to have the coaching <clears throat> sessions that they need to, to, to being able to have those frequent conversations um and you know one other point on this before uh before i finish off on this you know one of the questions i get when it gets to continuous performance management is from a manager experience oh gosh wait a minute you're telling me that i need to have more conversations and more feedback and what we're not saying is it's that burdensome tax that that old way of doing it is, this is very lightweight. It's in the flow of work. It is, it, it's not something that is considered a tax to the employees or the managers. In, in fact, it's the opposite.
Yeah, uh, I, I'm glad you said that because, you know, it's, this isn't about shoehorning it uh, into into the process or forcing it into things. It's it's about actually. Um, well, I know we want to talk about this, too, this idea of reducing friction. Right. Um, in the workplace. Yeah. And how you can reduce friction in the performance assessment um, uh, process by bait. I guess by making it more about enablement and and about uh, frequent conversations again again in the flow of work, um, a couple of things that just pop out for me, um, you know, just kind of echo or sort of underscore a couple of things that you said. You're absolutely right. Is I've thought about this that we have this tendency or this inclination to think about things in annual you know, annual cadence, right? Oh, it just makes sense, you know, at, at first blush. You say, yeah, we should do it every year, you know, once a year or, you know, and and maybe, you know, maybe there's a the thinking that, well, you know, this is just the performance, you know, a, a review, you know, this isn't, you know, obviously the, um, the, the, the manager and their direct reports are having, you know, multiple conversations over the course of the year with their projects and all that. Um, but, but so, you know, I, on the surface, there's a thin veneer of, you know, of, um, of intuitiveness, I think, yeah. when you think about sort of the annual review, the old performance management process. But when you dig in a little bit more, it's actually uh, very counterintuitive and uh, counterproductive. Uh, so, yeah. Right. I mean, just think about just let's let's forget about it as an HR process now and think about it just in terms of the relationships you have as a human with other humans, whether it be your partner, whether it be your sibling, do you actually sit down once a year and have a review of your of, of your interactions? Um, <laughs> do you give a review of the health of the, right? Like no. it doesn't make sense. It's not how humans interact. Yeah, no, it's not, absolutely. And you know what's funny also um, is it's just also, it's almost as if the technology that's existed for, um, uh, up till recently, when I say recently, in the past few short years, that technology has almost sort of been a factor in our in our annualized thinking around performance management. There's there's better technology now that enables uh, frequent sort of effortless, frictionless interaction that did not exist previously and so there wasn't there wasn't really a way from a technological standpoint um, and certainly not from a paper pushing standpoint <laughs> to to support this this modern uh, progressive uh, approach to performance enablement well i mean i'll say as an early adopter of uh, of cloud technology around this <clears throat> Frankly, I don't know even if there was a buying inclination to to challenge what the process was at that point. Mm. We were so, so thrilled that we could take a very heavy manual process. And when I mean manual, I mean, you know, print out a form and fill it in. Um, we were just, just absolutely wowed by the idea that that could now be done um in the cloud that's that was huge so i don't know that hr or the organizations that were looking at those solutions at the time were demanding that they be anything other than the transformation then was take their existing process and digitize it 
And that was a leap, that was a big leap. But of course, there's been a lot of things that have happened since those early days that have, I think, pushed the innovation uh, envelope. And I would I would call out Adobe in particular as one of the first to really make a bold step to say, you know what, this this is this process is stupid. Let's <laughs> let's blow it up and make it something more more humane and and in the flow of work. And I think the in the flow of work is certainly an element that BetterWorks uh, has a differentiation, which is, you know, in a nutshell, uh, because I, I think of in the flow of work in a bunch of different ways from a technology perspective, it's the idea that I don't have to go from where I am in my job, i.e. if I'm in Outlook or Teams or whatever the case may be, pull myself out of that, shift over, log into a separate portal where I go and do my HR stuff, right? Yeah. So that's the old way. And now it's, you know, now that's it. There's an, you know, now that that, that is now in the flow of work, meaning I can do all of the work that I need to in terms of, you know, feedback recognition, looking at my goals, et cetera, where I am, Outlook, Teams, mm. Gmail, whatever. So that from a tech perspective, that's a good thing. But I think also it's the, so removing the friction in that process is good. But I think the other element to it is kind of what we were talking about before, which is there's also friction in the process if I'm only meeting with you once or twice a year for this performance discussion, mm. right? Because I'm not going to be, it's not like I'm going to be clicking my heels with excitement that I know that that conversation is coming up if you, Brent, are my manager, right? Like I'm going to have some trepidation, which creates friction. And there might be some awkwardness because we're not doing it frequently enough for it to be a natural, a natural trust-based conversation. Yeah, yeah. So oh. the, the flow of work is two things for me. Or the yeah. being a friction, apologies. You know, that makes a lot of sense. You're absolutely correct. And the thing from the technological side, the real innovation, uh, at least from the outside looking in, to me, seems to be that ability of the of of the software to capture what's happening, no matter where it's occurring elsewhere in that that um, that employer's technology software ecosystem, you know, whether it's in Office 365 or maybe in, I don't know, Slack, or I'm just throwing some stuff out there. Right. Um, or or in, in Salesforce, try asking a, a salesperson who's really, you know, very singularly focused on, you know, doing their job in sales, ask them to double update their goals in a separate portal when in fact, uh, you know, if you're updating in Salesforce, which is where you live as a salesperson, it's going to automatically be captured. And then the other piece to it too, which I think is a big shift, is that um, the idea of feedback and recognition uh, is, is now expanding rapidly to not just, I want to hear what you, Brent, my boss, has to say, but I also want to get feedback from people I'm collaborating on projects with. For perhaps, uh, you know, another manager that was running a project that I was on, I want to get that feedback too. I want to be able to get that so that I can grow in my career. Mm -hmm. um, and I want the ability to do shout outs. I want to be able to give recognition and get recognition and not just from one other person in my organization. Yeah. No offense, Brent, but, you know, you're, you're just my manager. I want to hear from a bunch of people. Um, because I'm keenly interested in that. And we know in particular for the younger generations, 
feedback is a very important aspect. Well, it's a, it's a dopamine hit too, you know, a, a positive one, you know, and so it, to be able to make that as as possible as possible as possible as possible is <laughs> a good thing. Um, you know, thinking about HR's role, right, um, and you know, being able to kind of transform HR in, in a sense, uh, we hear a lot about moving from operational to strategic HCM in the, in the parlance of 360 insights here at our firm, we talk about concrete and abstract HCM, uh, sort of the transactional, highly um, uh, measurable, uh, quantifiable stuff uh, that can be automated versus that more aspirational, inspirational stuff, um, such as employee sentiment, employee uh, having an, an impact on that, optimizing the employee, the employee experience, uh, building an yeah. employer culture, and ultimately a powerful employer brand. Um, how does modern performance management support this progression from operational to, to strategic HCM or however someone wants to um, you know, characterize those two things? Well, if you think about um, if you think about HR and, and use the example that I, I mentioned before about people, you know, in HR physically running around different uh, office spaces, looking for paper forms and collecting them and sticking them in, you know, uh, cabinets someplace where they'll never be seen again, right? You know, yeah. if that's you're not going to have the opportunity to be strategic if you are doing that kind of work. Like there's just only so, only so many hours in the day. And so that transactional stuff, as you start moving with technology away from that transactional stuff, uh, you have that you have the room, you have the breathing room to actually start making correlations on, by the way, more data than you had before. Because before I was just looking at PMP completion. Well, what does that tell you? Does it tell you anything at all about um, you know, did it affect performance? How's employee engagement? You know, like any of that stuff. No, it doesn't. How are, how good are our managers at coaching their team? It doesn't give us any of that insight. But by doing it more frequently, by, by doing it more frequently, you're going to have more data. You're going to have more ability to support the organization from an HR partner perspective strategically by, by saying, whoa, you know what? There's, there's parts of our organization that are really, you know, doing a great job at enabling performance, but there's others that are falling short. How do we then strategically support that part of the organization so that we can actually help performance in those areas? Mm -hmm. This to me is, and ultimately, and how does that performance start correlating with business performance, right? Yeah. That is the realm of strategic HR. Yeah, yeah, absolutely spot on on that. To me, strategic HR is about having having access to uh, combinable data that's uh, in, in that's that's current and easily you know easily accessible. Um, being able to make sense of that, translate it into you know information or, or interpret it for for organizational leadership, so that HR is seen as strategic, right? HR just doesn't think of itself as strategic, but that, that it is strategic. And then also being able to, uh, having the, 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 um, the wherewithal because of that information at your disposal to be a, a coach, to be a, uh, a, and a mentor and a partner to any line manager anywhere 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's a really critical part as uh, as well, because what I'm seeing more and more and more is the whole notion of, and we've been talking about employee experience for a, a while now, and I think we're doing a good job of focusing on that. And what's now coming up uh, is the manager experience. And specifically, mm -hmm. when you think about how critical a role managers have to play as it relates to this topic and process, the idea that they are magically going to become better managers of their talents, right? Talent managers, that they're immediately going to become better coaches um, is a fallacy. You, you need to be able to build it over time. And I, I like to say frequency um, creates competency uh, mm -hmm. with the idea that if you're doing it often enough, you're going to get better at it. But you also have to have a strategic HR person who's going to coach you as a as a coach, right? That that builds up that manager experience so that they feel comfortable and confident going into these conversations and feedback discussions with their employees and giving really valuable feedback, right? Not just a check in the box. It's a completely different mindset. Yeah, it is. And and you know, you're absolutely right. Just just kind of throwing this in front of a of a of a manager and expecting them to become, uh, you know, a, a leader, right? Or to become a better manager is, you know, that's that's leaving a lot to to chance. Uh, but, yeah. but but you are giving them a much greater chance of becoming a better manager if they have these tools before them. Um, that's that's what's really. That that that's to me is sort of the the duality of that. Or that might not be the right word, but we'll go with it anyway. Is well, it? But yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have this 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 ability to. There was no way with the old with the old process, the old conventional or traditional approach to performance uh, review. There there was no way that that was in any way going to facilitate or uh, cultivate better leaders, right? Right. And, and this way, you're actually the, the mind. One of the mindset changes is as a manager, uh, it is my job to coach, support and enable my team members, mm -hmm. as opposed to HR made me do it to be blunt. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing is you're optimizing that capability within your organization. Um, and by optimizing it, you're optimizing the performance of those teams, mm -hmm. period. Yeah, yeah. Why we haven't been doing this, I don't know. <laughs> Me neither. that we're doing it now. And I think a lot of HR people are excited about it as well. It's just, you know, it's it's it takes a minute. It takes a minute. And we 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 spend a lot of time around the change management aspects um, because transformation requires a lot of change and um, sustainability and sustainment in their in the adoption. So this isn't like I said, this isn't a, you know flip the switch and everything magically happens. You need to be committed to this. But I think um, I'm not talking that it takes a decade or you know it does. It's not like it's a, a long long journey. But don't don't mistake that your go live is actually going to magically make everything change. You need to be very thoughtful about how you introduce that change over time so that people feel comfortable and, you know, and not overwhelmed. 
to, to me, it's a way you're absolutely right. And uh, to me, the word, the word is intentionality. You know, if HR approaches yeah. it with intentionality, then there's, there's a, um, uh, there's a snowball's chance and in, in you know where for it to, to more than that for it to, to work out. It, yeah. And this actually goes to uh, a broader uh, concept of uh, HR having, you know, retaining and strengthening its um, influence. Uh, I would say forging, retaining, and strengthening its influence over the employee experience, right? Because it's not—it's—it's it's certainly not um, written written in stone. You know, it's not carved in granite that HR necessarily must, you know, by design innately have a role in the employee experience. I think HR needs to kind of stretch a little bit and make sure that it does. It can have absolutely a very intuitive. Um, uh, helpful facilitative um, uh, role in it. And, and to me, modern performance uh, enablement is, is one of those, uh, one of those conduits for that. Well, I mean, yeah, I completely agree with you because uh, at the end of the day, me walking into uh, the board with, and I'll use the same example. If I, if I walk into a board with a presentation that says, by the way, we had 98% completion on our performance management process this year. All, all documentation is done. It's a pretty short conversation, right? Yeah. And they probably <laughs> won't give, they probably won't give me a slot on the next agenda. If I can go, go into that same board and say, uh, here's what we're seeing. We're seeing that because of our work in performance enablement, our engagement levels have gone up. Our employees are actually saying that they're willing to go above and beyond in some mm. cases, um, that they understand the connection and the contribution that they're having to the business objectives, and they understand that alignment. And by the way, productivity is going up. Um, and here are the areas where we've discovered that maybe we need to spend a little bit more time because it's having an, we, we see opportunities where we could help increase performance and productivity in a particular division if we spent a little bit more time there, mm. um, I, I'm pretty sure we'd be invited to another meeting. Yeah, or another example, you know, I, there might be a way for us to avert a potential, you know, exodus of staff in this particular division over here. You know, if we do X, Y, and Z right now, uh, this is what we hypothesize, this sort of stuff. And this actually is a great segue into this idea that, you know, there are strategic benefits to the organization of, uh, of yeah. having a modern approach to performance, um, call it management or enablement, whatever you want to call it. And, and you describes a, a, a number of them, you know, increased productivity, uh, greater employee engagement, uh, greater employee satisfaction. All, also, all, a lot of these things are, you know, they don't necessarily, you can't, draw like a you can't trace a line from them to to uh, a greater bottom line to an increase in the bottom line but i hope but, we get there i hope we yeah. get there i really do try to argue against that though i mean you know you you have to be crazy what are some of this what are some of the strategic um costs or losses for an organization that fails to that just doesn't um take it seriously to modernize this approach to performance well, you know, I mean, I think we've been talking uh, in, in the news, everybody's talking about, you know, this notion, well, quiet quitting has kind of calmed down a bit, but, you know, uh, all this notion that 
you're not you're not really um it, there's there's retention issues uh with the way that we're doing things now right there's retention issues so attrition is a cost it's a big cost i think we're actually going to get to the point where employees during their interviews are going to be asking the question how do you manage my performance and they're going to be voting with their feet if they hear an answer like oh, we don't we don't do the traditional approach here's what you can expect you can ex expect quarterly or monthly conversations with your manager and others around you know your career path and you're going to be uh, able to see your alignment with the what the organ you, you got the the drift here yeah i think i think we're going to get to the point where employees are going to be expecting that and not or choosing not to work in places that don't support them that way oh, i think you're absolutely correct about that and and, and it's really interesting you, you think about the way to me this is this is intriguing and in how modern performance management for instance it it's really a factor in sort of um, um swiping away this or knocking excuse me knocking down the silos um okay. of you know sort of the conventional traditional um you know domains of talent management you have performance management you have learning uh in learning and career development you have maybe compensation uh management success and planning these sorts of things you brought you mentioned career development you know it's really tough to have these frequent conversations around performance without talking about career development without talking about learning without talking about um you know uh, compensation maybe even but but also you know prom uh, uh, promotions you know or like what is my career path what what's internal hiring look like and and so this this it feeds into my you know and I'm certainly not the only one but this this my idea that you know it occurred to me that it's all kind of becoming talent management if you even want to call it that it's all becoming one thing it's no longer the the sum of its parts it's all one thing it's happening uh, very fluidly all at once holistically Totally. I, and I, I mean, I remember having this discussion, gosh, 15 years ago, um, we were talking about the manager experience around performance management and succession. And my argument to the room of HR people is you understand that for the, for the manager, it's the same conversation. Mm. We've just put a silo into it that says, this is where this process starts and this finishes. But a manager is actually thinking about how do I think about high performers and, you know, how do I think about intent to, to you know, risk, risk of loss and all of that. They're not thinking about that at a different time. They, the, the, the walls are, are blurred around that, you know, and here's an interesting thing too, Brent, I've been having a bunch of conversations over the last month or so. Uh, and I sort of set the environment, the, 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 the scenario of, Think about times where you've been in an environment where you thrived and other environments where you were thwarted. Number one, I just like the word thwart. But but like I immediately know what where I go with it. Uh, you know, where if I if I'm in a relation in a relationship with my boss and work environment where I don't know, you know, I'm not getting clear direction on what I need to do. I'm not getting an idea that my manager has my back and that there is a trust there that they're going to help me through any challenges. 
if I'm not getting a lot of those things that are, you know, in, embedded in performance management from a, an approach perspective, if, even if I stay, hmm. I am going to be second guessing, you know, sec second guessing myself. I'm going to not feel recognized. So I'll be demoralized. I'm not going to bring my full sense self uh, to the job because I'm not, I'm going to be diminished or thwarted in some way. Um, and it's really interesting to have those conversations um, because everybody can tell a story about each of those experiences within their career. Um, and gosh, once you sort of sink into that a bit, why would you ever want to be in a place where you can't thrive? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, that's that might be that might be uh, where we should land today. Uh, you know, I love that. You know, just. Being able to thrive, you know, if, if you want to be able to attract uh, top talent, uh, dynamic leaders and, and retain dynamic talent and leaders in your organization, um, you want to give them all the tools, all the modern um, thinking um, and tools for it that are that that's out that are out there. And uh, and this is a big piece of the puzzle. Absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been a fantastic, fantastic um, uh, conversation, uh, fantastic episode of the podcast. Thank you so much, Jamie, for joining us again. And uh, we'll just, uh, you know, let, let uh, viewers know that there's going to be a third one that's coming up. We won't tell them what the uh, topic is, but it's going to be very interesting. So I'm looking forward to that, too. Always, always happy uh, to be chatting with you. We always have such great conversations. Thanks, Jamie.